welcome to the Cook Rotary Podcast. I'm Marie, and in this episode, I have a chat with Meredith Keith Church about finding her own identity. Meredith was born in Guatemala and adopted at just seven months old by an American family. She shares with us what it was like growing up in a predominantly white community and then exploring her Latina roots as an adult. Please share this episode with someone who is adopted or mixed race who's figuring out who they really are. Enjoy! Hey Meredith, welcome to the Cook Cody Podcast. I'm so excited to have a conversation with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Marie. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you. I'm super excited because I feel like you will be able to help so many of our listeners with your story. I was wondering if we could start with your upbringing and if you could share a little bit more about your very first memories in your childhood. Sure, absolutely. So uh, for a little bit of background, um, I was seven months old when I was adopted by my parents and I was born in Guatemala and I was brought to the United States by my parents. Um, Well, actually, I was flown into the United States um, by a program at the time that they had where pilots Uh, and their spouses came to um, get kids who were coming to the U.S. So I lived in the Midwest U.S. for the beginning of that time, so from seven months, um, really for quite a while, actually. My family and I moved around a lot. So in terms of early memories, I feel like probably it was a time around maybe three or four years old that I have some sort of sort of glimpses, spots, um, spotty early memories. Um, Things like I spent a lot of time outside at the home where my parents and I lived. I am an only child, so it was just me. Uh, I learned to entertain myself a lot since that was the case. And I definitely recall playing outside in the backyard where I lived. And I believe that was really... I was, again, I think around three or four years of age. My mother was a stay-at-home mom, so she was home a lot. Uh, However, I don't have a lot of memories of interacting with her when I was younger. She ran a business out of the home, so she was often working in her office. And my dad worked a lot, and he... He had a job where he drove around a lot to meet with clients and customers. So I definitely remember um, kind of doing my own thing a lot, although I definitely, you know, also have memories of um, doing special things with my parents. Like we went to Disney World, I think, when I was like two or three, um, just spotty memories of that. And there were times when their family members, their extended family would come to visit, um, but we didn't have friends and family that were very present um, when I was a younger person. So I definitely just have a lot of memories of kind of entertaining myself. And being adopted and being an only child, what is one major lesson you learn growing up in an environment like that? So I feel that when I got older, I realized 
how much it would have been really nice to have a little more community and support around both of those things, really. So where I lived in the Midwest United States, there were not other people that looked like me at all. Uh, So when I would go to school and encounter other kids, and since we moved around quite a bit when I was younger, we were moving almost every year. So I would start a new school and people were constantly asking me what I was, which was their way of expressing that they didn't understand why I looked different. And I learned that at some point. Um, It was really hard to make friends and it would have been really nice to have just one or two, um, you know, friends, people that I could hang out with since I was an only child. Um, It was fine to entertain myself and I did that okay. Um, I definitely though did miss having that community, um, especially since, as I mentioned, we didn't have extended family. So I didn't grow up with things like cousins or aunts and uncles, like a lot of families do. Um, So it definitely felt lonely at times. Um, And similarly, I didn't know a whole lot of other people who'd had um, similar situations either with having been adopted or having been a different race and identity, like ethnicity background than their parents. I did meet a couple of kids as I got older. I would say maybe I was closer to 12, 13, when I met a couple of kids through school that were of different backgrounds than their parents and they had been adopted. So I did at least get to see a couple of other people who had that situation. And at the same time, we didn't necessarily connect as friends. So it was more of like, okay, well, I can see some people who have a similar situation to me. However, I wasn't close with them, didn't really get to talk about our experiences, which would have been really nice. So I feel like the big lesson there was how important community is, which I think is true for everyone. Um, And I especially think it can be supportive for folks who feel like they're having a different experience in their life than a lot of the people around them are. Thank you so much for sharing that. Having a community or even a sense of community can really make a huge difference in a child's life. For me, growing up in Singapore, in an Asian country with a white father was difficult at times because I was the minority having been mixed race and Even though I have a Singaporean accent, I know Mandarin, I went to local schools, it still wasn't enough sometimes to be accepted as a Singaporean. Mm. And as you're sharing your story, it makes me think about what I can do with my own children because they probably will grow up in the United States, how I can help them have a sense of community As you got older, Meredith, were you able to find people that you really connected with and and found a group of people that you could now call your community? That's a great question. I would say it took me until I was late teens, early 20s. And largely that's because, again, of where the geographic area where I was, um, there just weren't a lot of other folks that I found that I could connect with. It wasn't until I went off to a college, and it was actually the second college I attended. I had started out at a small private liberal arts college, 
for a couple of years, and then I transferred to a larger state school. So it was being in this bigger environment with students who were from more than just a one concentrated area that I was able to meet more people and branch out. And specifically, when I got to this school, I found that there was actually a Latino cultural center, and I had never had that experience before. So when I went to visit, I walked in and saw so many people that looked similar to me. Of course, we were all from different countries, and that's, I've heard people talk about how the term Latino can be problematic because it's, it's another way that, um, you know, society has sort of lumped a group of people together, and it can sort of mask all of the differences within that group. So having said that, it was still really great to be able to connect with folks who were from regions that were close to the country of my origin, if not exactly that country. Uh, and, and a lot of us had similar experiences. Uh, I did not meet a lot of people who had been adopted or whose parents were of a different race. However, for me, it was enough to have people there who had experienced some of the same issues and problems with acceptance based on the color of our skin or our countries of origin, whether or not we were immigrants, etc. And that was such a great feeling. I was so excited to be able to finally have people accept me, first of all, because when I went in there, it was this feeling of everyone's welcome here. We all have this shared experience at some level. And so I'd never just been welcomed with open arms anywhere like that. And that was so great. Interestingly, my mother had a really strong response to that. When I told her about it, and I was so excited, when I was younger, she used to introduce different aspects of Guatemalan culture to me as she was able to find them in order to just have me learn some things, which was great. When I was younger, it didn't interest me as much. So I thought for sure she would be extremely excited that I had found this group of folks. And she had a very strong response related to what I now know was like her um, sort of rejection issues that she was dealing with from her childhood. But she immediately said, well, what white people aren't good enough for you anymore? (laughs) So I was really surprised by that and disappointed that she was not excited for me. Thankfully, I could see that that was her issue, not mine. So I was able to get back to the business of just being excited and being able to spend time with that community. So after that particular experience, I went to a different school for graduate school and also found uh, a community of folks who identified as Latino. And so I was able to, again, make friends. And this was in a different city. So I was able to make friends and reach out to others in the community as well. And that was a really great feeling and experience. That sounds amazing. I'm so glad that you were able to find those people when you were in college and I'm so sorry about what your mom said and you said it best that it was her own issues that she was projecting onto you and you handled it really well I mean you it it seems like you brushed it off is that right to say or yes I would say that's accurate thankfully I somehow learned over the course of I would say maybe my teenage years to not take on so much of my mother's attitudes because uh, I wanted to be able to be happy and um, 
you know, I saw that a lot of the things that she struggled with involved with having a negative attitude and focusing on the negative. So yes, you're right. I definitely uh, was able to just like let that go and allow that to be her thing so that I could continue to be excited about the experience that I was having that I knew was a good experience for me. And with having this community and surrounding yourself with people who love you and respect you and just truly accept you for who you are, how did that affect your choices as you continued through your life journey? I would say it made me so much more confident. And I think that when we're confident, we're less afraid to try new things. Uh, When we feel strong about our identity and we're not trying to just please others or fit in with groups, I think we can really do amazing things because we're going to be connected with the choices that are right for us. I definitely spent a lot of my childhood and younger years trying to fit into these groups even though I really was never going to succeed with that because as humans, you know, we definitely have that natural draw to want to have a community and have people who support us. So when I was able to find these folks that I didn't have to try so hard with, I didn't really have to try at all. I just got to show up and be me. My confidence was definitely boosted. I was able to you know, explore experiences that I wouldn't have before, for example, leadership roles in, you know, student organizations or, you know, um, auditioning for different things. I'm a professional, I'm a performing artist, or even, you know, apply for volunteer experiences, jobs, etc. I just think that that piece of community um, really bolsters us to be brave more often. And it's not that we won't feel fear. Um, it's just that, When we have a strong support network, I feel like we feel a part of something and therefore we can always come back to what we know about ourselves. So, you know, maybe something we want to try is scary and we know it'll be okay because we know we can handle it. Uh, We know what our strengths are. We know what our passions are. And I just really think that it can set this ripple effect where we make all those choices then that are aligned with what we are here to do. And then we're able to serve as positive examples and role models for others and even can potentially be that community for other people who feel maybe left out or like they don't belong. I appreciate you sharing that because I feel like so many millennials feel like they have to pretend And they are afraid to really just own who they are. And with what you've shared, it was just so powerful listening to you because it's like when we take that leap and trust that we are enough, that we can attract the right people in our lives, the opportunities just become endless. You know what I mean? Like we usually, the only person holding us back from really succeeding in any aspect any aspect of our lives is really ourselves and so I really appreciate you sharing that yes absolutely and something else that I thought of when you just said that is the magnetism I don't know like the magnetic nature I think of our um, excitement and our feeling good and our really living out our purpose 
um, I do think that that draws the people to us who match that excitement and who we have things in common with. So it's almost like this great cycle where if we get into that, then we will continue to find more people as a part of our community and we'll continue to help others by sort of drawing them in with our excitement. Exactly. And when we are no longer afraid, we can really dive into our passions and what we love. So speaking of passions, Meredith, I would love for you to share about your journey going back into the arts and how that has looked like for you. Yes. So I'm so grateful for this experience. So I had always enjoyed singing and dancing and um, playing instruments from a very, very young age. In fact, before I can even remember, I've seen photo proof of instances, for example, that trip to Disney World, which I mentioned, which I believe I was around two or three years old. My parents told me this story, and I've also seen pictures of uh, when we would go to some of the music productions on different stages, and there would be people singing and playing instruments, and I would actually you know, break away from my parents and go up on stage. And there was one instance in which I knew the songs that they were singing and uh, joined the band on stage and they picked me up and put me in front of a microphone and, um, you know, that kind of thing. So from a very early age, I was interested in these things. Uh, Unfortunately, my parents weren't really tuned into that in some way. Um, I was not a child who was offered opportunities to take lessons or you know, join dance classes, things like that. Um, I had one experience through a school that I was in where there was a dance class for just a few weeks and I did get to participate in that. And when I asked my mom why I hadn't continued, she said, well, I think I asked you if you wanted to do that class again and you said no. (laughs) So um, it's just interesting. I don't remember that. It's possible. And, you know, I feel like sometimes when we're supporting young people, there's more we can do than just maybe ask a question about a specific class or, you know, kind of delve into noticing what they're spending time doing. Because I was spending time in my room choreographing dances for myself nonstop, singing nonstop. That's really how I spent the most of my time. Um, So it wasn't until I became a teenager and I was in school and I'd been invited to audition for a um, dancing and singing group. And I auditioned and got in and started to have uh, a really great experience with being able to really just dive into the performing arts through that. And also as a teenager did some musical theater. Um, But since I didn't have that support, it was very spotty. When I got a little older and I was able to drive and uh, maybe work some small jobs to earn a little bit of money, I would go around town and find places that I could take maybe four weeks of class because maybe that's all the the money I had. Um, And I would say, hey, can I come for the next month? You know, I can pay for a month's worth of classes and I could get myself there. But, you know, this was all just sort of off and on as time allowed. So it wasn't until I became an adult in my 20s that I started doing things like auditioning for local musical theater productions. And then I would audition for dance companies, just really any opportunities I could find, because this was a passion of mine that I just wasn't willing to let go of. And um, it it was many years later beyond that time period um, when I actually found a studio 
that was geared just for adults and dance. And they had classes pretty much all day long. I was able to adjust my schedule so that I could do a work exchange program for them. So I would do things like clean the studio, um, help with mailings, set up the studio for when they had performances, just all kinds of things so that I could earn hours to exchange for class time hours. And at that time, I also auditioned for an artist in residence who was doing a performance piece and got into that. So I really just dove in um, despite a lot of the messages that I had heard from society. Things like, oh, you know, dancing is just for young people. Only young people with certain body shapes um, are dancers. Uh, Or, well, you know, singers have to have had extensive training, you know, professional training. You can't just go to an audition and sing a song (laughs) if you haven't had, you know, um, formal technique lessons and all that kind of stuff, which I hadn't had. So I was really glad that I decided not to listen to all of those comments and suggestions and just even implicit ideas from media or, you know, different pieces of culture that talked about what performing arts was or um, especially that, oh, well, because it doesn't pay money and because, you know, so many people emphasize a capitalist society that we should all just be spending our days making money. Um, that was another one, you know, the, oh, the performing arts, that's not a good way to spend time because you're not going to make, you know, money with that. So I put all that aside and I really just focused on doing what I loved. And That's been going on now for several years. I'm so fortunate to have had many experiences being in dance companies. Just last year, I had taken a break for a while from musical theater. And just last year, I auditioned for a show after quite a, a large, a large break. And I was able to get in. I did another show in um, January, so just actually March, a few months ago, and I just found out that I'm beginning rehearsals next week for another show. So um, I I just like to share this with people because I think there are so many of us out there who have put aside our dreams for one reason or another, particularly because we received external messages telling us we couldn't or shouldn't do something based on our age, our size, our, you know, training, et cetera, or lack thereof. And I just love to tell people it's all not true. <laughs> um, you know, if you are able to do something there's no reason you you can't find a way to do it. Um, and that's been my experience. And I know that others have had that as well. As I'm listening to you share your journey going back into, into the performing arts, I just can't help but think of the phrase imperfect action, that you didn't wait till you did X number of years more of dance lessons or vocal training. You just went for it you just applied you you had to start somewhere right Mm -hmm. and like you said a lot of people are afraid to go after their dreams because of external messages and to add to that I think it's also internal messages for me I consider myself a recovering perfectionist and I used to tell myself oh when I do this, then I can start my dream. Or after this happens, then I can pay for that thing I've always wanted. And there always seems to be these roadblocks. And a lot of the time, 
we actually create those roadblocks ourselves. I was wondering if, because earlier we were talking about how having a sense of community did make you more confident, do you see a correlation with your performing arts community and how that has helped you in your personal life? Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, as much as I enjoy the performing arts, it's still been a challenge at different steps along the way, which is good. Uh, I've been in situations where I would audition for something and then I'd get into the work itself and it would maybe be, you know, much beyond what I had done before um, in terms of, you know, physical challenges. So, you know, being able to push past um, kind of my fear of, oh, I've never done that before. I'm not sure I can do that. Um, What will I need to do to, you know, get more flexibility or strength or, you know, what have you. Um, You know, I've often sometimes ended up with roles in performances that were much more in the spotlight than I thought. Perhaps, uh, for example, it was a group piece, but we were given different solos or we were asked to create you know, different pieces of our own rather than just being told what to do. And sometimes I think, oh, it would just be easier if they just tell me what to do. Now I have to come up with something. So having these experiences of being challenged, being pushed beyond what I had done before and getting through that, being successful, figuring it out. Those are all things that I can draw back on throughout all areas of my life because, you know, all of us are going to have challenges in every areas with our relationships, the people we interact with, our everyday tasks. So I think it's been really helpful to be able to remember these different areas and think, okay, you know what, whatever I'm looking at right now that's challenging me, yes, it might be scary. However, look at all these other things that I've done um, that seemed insurmountable at the time, that seemed like I wouldn't be able to figure it out, um, or that was just really scary, especially being on a stage in front of lots of people because a lot of times most of our life choices are not on a stage in front of lots of people and we still feel as you said you know that perfectionist tendency right this just has to be perfect so being able to be on stage in front of lots of people to do these things you know knowing that i might mess up and if i do then what you know i have to keep going how is that going to work that definitely has translated into more confidence and more creativity, I think, also just with solving problems, because we, we all have the ability to be creative with our lives. And um, that's another thing I think sometimes we're told, or at least that I have believed, which was that, oh, only certain people are creative. They're creative people, and then they're not creative people. Well, that's just not true either. Um, all of us are creative in ways that we often don't even realize. Anytime we come up with a solution for something or we figure out how to do something on our own, that's creativity at work. So I would definitely say that my experience with the performing arts has translated into so many skills and so much confidence in knowing that I can make these decisions in the day-to-day. That's awesome. I love how you explain what creativity is and we really do have the power to create. All of us do. Meredith, do you have advice for any adults who are listening who have secret passions or secret dreams that no one knows about, only they do, and they don't know where to start? Yes, absolutely. So my favorite thing to tell people is to find some time, just you, and to allow yourself to really think about those dreams and passions. So maybe that's 
journaling, maybe it's uh, speaking, like leaving yourself an audio note, because some people process in that way best. Maybe it's drawing or writing a story. But I really encourage people to take time by themselves because we are all very distracted with all of the things that we have going on, especially if, for example, we're caregivers. Um, we might have aging parents or kids or uh, other family members or, or you know, neighbors, people that we're caring for. And I find that a lot of us um, are so focused on what we're doing for others that we aren't giving ourselves enough time to really think about what we want to be doing. So whether it's an hour in the morning or five minutes before bed or a midday sort of break, maybe taking a walk or just going outside and sitting. Um, and then I also really advocate whatever people feel comfortable doing. I do one day a week. Some people feel comfortable doing a half day or even a couple of hours, but um, with zero distractions truly. So maybe turning off technology, getting away from the house um, and really allowing yourself to think about your passions because we just don't allow ourselves to think about them. We think that sitting and thinking is somehow wasted time <laughs> or that we're not doing something. We are very much doing something. So I feel that once we give ourselves the opportunity to really think about our dreams, what, what do we really want to be doing? What would that look like? What would it sound like? Like all the senses, right? Like seeing ourselves in our mind or just thinking about the experiences that we would have if we did this thing and allowing all of that to come out. The next step beyond that really kind of comes clear to us. If we allow ourselves to have that time, we will know what the next step is because we're really letting all of those dreams and passions like just fill us from the inside and when we imagine how that will feel that starts to help clarify things so once we know okay you know what here's the next step I saw this thing I heard about this you know I think that would be a great thing to do then it's really just prioritizing that and Whatever that next thing is, even if it's just having a conversation with somebody that we know is connected to our dream, our goal, our plan, um, you know, or doing a little bit of research, maybe online or just calling somewhere to ask a question, we just need to prioritize that. So in our like daily to-do lists or however, you know, you organize your day, put that at the very top, do that first and things will flow from there. Thank you for sharing that. Just taking that imperfect action and just allowing it to flow out of us and not just keeping it in is really powerful. Meredith, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Real quick, could you share with listeners how they can connect with you? Sure. I would love for anyone who would like to connect to just send me an email. And my email is just hello at decolonizingyourhealth.com. And I really like to make personal one-on-one -on -one connections with folks. I know in our busy world, sometimes people um, don't stop to do that or they think, oh, well, I don't want to bother someone. But I would love to hear from folks. So please feel free to just reach out to me with a personal email. Let me know if there's something here you have questions about or just more you want to hear more about. Awesome. Thanks so much, Meredith. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review or share it with someone you love. For my podcast listeners who might not know yet, I have a free Facebook community just for daughters of narcissistic mothers. It is a safe space to learn about narcissism and heal and support each other. The link for it is in this episode's description. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time.